Okay, so we're recording. Um, but like we were mentioning, when you're when you're running and you're training for a marathon or if, if during a marathon, there's a certain point that you hit where it's like a, a block, a wall, and you just want to. You can make two decisions: one, to just give up and stop and not finish, or to continue going. And I always tell everybody: if you can train, if you can run ten miles. Like you can force yourself to run 10 miles. You can run a marathon mm. because there's that right around that point for some people it's different for, for me, it's generally around 10 to 13 miles. Um, you hit, you hit that wall. And then if you can get past that wall and continue going, then it's all mental at that point. I just, I, I would watch cause my, all my kids have played sports. I have three of them and they're, now they're like 24, 22, and 20. And the youngest one, she's the one that ran the, the longest distance. And looking at the way that they respond to things in life, she's the one with the most, I, I guess I would say, level-headedness. And when she does, and she's the one that people go to, especially when there's a need for a, an answer that might be a bit difficult. Um, she's kind of like the counselor of the family. Um, I am too, but like just kind of looking at in comparison to how they respond to things, she's, I would say the most, I'm not trying to be biased, but the most successful one in her approach. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And, I oh, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 please. I think that when you do difficult things, because running long distance is very difficult. Um, and, you know, in so many different ways, physically, mentally, and emotionally, even, uh, I mean, like when you finish a marathon, you're so emotional in that moment. Like you just want to cry because you knew, you know, that you succeeded in accomplishing something so great that like a, a high percentage of people do not do. Mm -hmm. Um, but it, I think it forces you to look at situations differently. Like it, it, it forces you to. I don't know, put things, I guess, into a, a different perspective. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think it's like that with a lot of hard things mm. um, I, when you do hard things. Okay. Yeah, I think there was like some type of um, I know there's a some type of program like once the NFL players get out and this is not my forte. I don't know anything about it, but I was watching something about NFL players once they retire. Um, that major corporations go and recruit them uh, because of their commitment to the sports, their their commitment to, you know, it, that takes a lot. It takes a lot to operate on that level. And because they are committed to their schedule and their workout and they know the hard work that it takes, usually the transition for them from sports to the business world is really easy and they're really successful at what they do once they make that transition. But they have to have a coach because some of them, they like fall into like drugs because they no longer have that guidance that they once had when they were in the league. Yeah, absolutely. And there, there's something that um, with athletes and people that dedicate themselves to something, they you have to almost uh, for a lot of people, you have they have to be they have to have something right. They have to have a focus. And 
in sports, like when you are focused on winning or you're focused on being the best or like, even if you're a fighter and it's not necessarily a team effort, you're focused on trying to win that fight. You're focused on training and you, that's your sole purpose through life. I mean, like I've had, um, fighters on the podcast. I've had Kevin Ross, who's a world, like several time world champion Muay Thai fighter. Um, and the first time I interviewed him, he was so aggressive. Like you could just tell, like he, like his <laughs> answers, his answers to me, I was just like, dude, this is, I don't know if I like this guy. He seems like, <laughs> but, but he's actually my friend now and he's been on a couple times. And so the, the thing is like with those kind of people, people like at high levels, they have to have something that they devote their time to. And then generally, whenever they devote their time to something else, they're ex extremely successful in it because they dive all in. They're all in. They're not a half in kind of person. Yeah. And it's like that when you train for marathons, when you're training for anything specific, you're not all in. Or if you're not all in, you're generally not going to be successful. Yeah. So like when um, I just started uh, doing, um, what do you call that? Jiu-jitsu. Ah, very cool. Yeah, and so I started back, I think, in either June, July, I think, I think June or July. And so my professor, um, currently she's on like some kind of detail. And when she talks, like you said, there's a dedication that you have. She's not only talking about like the sport itself, but you can also transition that to the things that we do daily in life. And I'm so in awe because it's like, like you right now, when you're sharing with me about, you know, running and the passion about it, it's something within me is being like reignited. Like, dang, I miss this. Cause I used to do this. I used to, I used to run and I'm like, okay, well maybe this is just a signal for me to re recommit myself to do that and stop being lazy. Like I told you first, <laughs> <laughs> recorded. <laughs> But there is something about that. There's such a passion about people who love the things that they do that it just makes you want to commit yourself to whatever it is that you want to do in the first place or are doing currently. And it's just like a reigniting of, of sort. Yeah, it's like a vehicle for um, success, honestly. Yeah. Um, when you can apply yourself to something that's difficult and it, you can re... Uh, what's the word I want to use? Um you can transition that into everything. I mean, cause the same kind of difficult that you put into something physical, you can just transition that into something that's mental or, you know, whatever you, you know how to handle and navigate that. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you for that. I, I felt good about, I was like, yes, <laughs> I needed. Cause I felt like in the last couple of weeks, I felt like I've been in a little slump, mm. like, and so when you started talking about running, I just thought about how good I felt when I was doing that at that time. And now that, you know, you brought up your whole training program, it's like, okay, friend, you already know what you got to do. Just commit to it and then get it going. Yeah. I mean, for one, it's that time of year, right? Where people get seasonal depression. I, I don't know what it's like right now where you're at, but where I am, it's cold. Yeah. It's like rainy. <laughs> You're in sunny California. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I don't really have that issue over here. But, like, it's just that time of year because you have, like, the stresses of the holidays. You have, you know, just there's so many things going on. 
Um, but there's, there's so many things you can do that help mitigate those feelings. Like for me, I also was kind of having those feelings. We were just recently out on strike. Um, mm -hmm. I worked for general motors okay. and so we were on strike and I didn't, I wasn't like depressed or anything. Um, I enjoyed the time off. Mm -hmm. However, I got out of my routine. There's things I wasn't doing like I would typically do. And it just affected my mood, made me feel like groggy. And like, I wasn't like what you just described. Like you just felt like you kind of fell off track a little bit. Yeah. But having that routine and getting back into it is helping a lot. And by having a routine, it, it helps tremendously with literally everything. Um, success and wanting to work out and ambition and motivation and everything. Yeah. It's just really more of the commitment of it. I mean, I, for, what I do, you know, for work, for our freight brokerage, I mean, it's just something that I'm committed to, regardless of whether I feel or not. I just have to come in and do the things that we do in order for us to continue to, you know, have our business not just be afloat, but to aim for the legacy that we're trying to build for ourselves. Right. So in that area of my life, I think I'm good. But just as far as like physical, that's really something that I'm still working on. And I think it a, a lot of it has to do with where I came from, the thought process that I, the thought processes that I've been uh, conditioned to thinking, and then also to undoing those thought processes. So that way I can find a new way of thinking and rise, like you said, rise above what I've, I've done and then to be a better version of who I would like to be right. I think that's the goal for literally everybody. It's just, they don't know how to get there. Right. Yeah. And they look for things like podcasts like this, or they look for uh, books or they look for YouTube videos or TikToks. Like, I mean, there's a reason why like the motivational industry is so huge because people look to those kind of people for inspiration and guidance. Yeah. And it's just, it's it's learning and it's tr it's learning how other people do it so that maybe you could apply the lessons that they that they applied. Yeah, I think also, too, sometimes we may consume maybe too much of it and not work towards it. It's like, oh, man, that feels great. That felt so good. But where's the application of it? Right. That's a good point. Yeah. I mean, because, yeah, you could watch a million David Goggins videos telling you to go go run. But if you don't go run. <laughs> <laughs> what yeah. those videos recently i had uh connected with a, a life coach on my social media strategy because i wasn't really sure how to put it together and so he helped me like kind of um write everything out as far as like dates and times i wanted to release it and then this is the time frame okay so the next thing is to how are you going to put this into play okay so then i had to select like a social media platform that would help me, you know, consolidate all of it, you know, something like Hootsuite. And then after that, then I got to break down all my material. And once I did all those steps, I was like, oh, I can do this. <laughs> I can do this. And this makes so much sense. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, there's so many tools that in anything, any, anything that you need to do that you could, you could just simply do to help you achieve the things that you want to achieve. It's the same thing for me with this podcast. I mean, like I've, I recently uh, wanted to start creating like small clips from each episode and there's resources and tools out there that I can pay for that help me do that. 
So mm-hmm. I, started, I started doing that and it, it's helped tremendously. It makes my work easier. That way I'm, I'm not stressing and having to edit every single video. And right. yeah, I don't that know. Does take a lot of time. That does take a lot of time. Yes. Yes, it does. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned your business. Is this, is this your business? Yes. So what, what's the name of your business? Uh, All American Port Logistics. Okay. And what do you guys do? So we do freight brokering. So we we're basically like the middleman for a trucking company or a individual it's called owner operator and then shipping companies that are looking to either import or export full truck load containers. And once we pair the two with the right equipment, we get paid for brokering the load. Mm. How did you get into that? That's that I could tell you. <laughs> so I was working for a signage company and um, me and my sister one day, we were talking about how we wanted to, me and my sister and my son, how we wanted to build generational wealth for our family. And so we were talking about different ideas and then we ended up coming upon trucking. And my sister said that she was in trucking school. And so I was just like, how in the world did you decide on trucking school? And she was just like, well, you know, these are the reasons why I did what I did. So once we decided on that, um, she said that dispatching would be the easiest way for us to get into the trucking industry because it was a low barrier to entry. So once we did that, um, she said she had already taken all the dispatching courses. She gave me the courses. I studied them. And so I was doing that in addition to the signage company that I was working for at the same time. Yeah. And so that was a lot. And so once we um, once we decided on that plan, there was a trade show that was coming up. And so I told her I felt like we needed to do that. And I ended up going to a trade show called She Trucking. So when I got to She Trucking, I met new contacts there because, mind you, I don't know anything about the trucking industry. I was in the signage and print industry for almost 20 years. So I know that industry like the back of my hand. So, yeah. So once I was um, at the trucking industry um, at that She Trucking event, it was in Tennessee. I came back to California Little did I know, one of the guys that I met there, his name is Tony Swin. He has a a podcast, not a podcast. He does music uh, on trucking. And I thought that was really interesting. He had ended up shouting me and my sister's company out on social media. And then we had gotten an influx of drivers um, once he had made that shout out. Wow. Yeah. And that was, it was really amazing because like, Right when he did that, we had literally just finished all of our forms, everything that we needed to do to onboard carriers. So that's how I got into that. And then I ended up. So I kind of let me back up a little bit. So while we were doing that transition, um, my sister was in charge of administering everything as far as like getting the drivers on because I was still working full time. She was doing, uh, I think, Uber at the time. But um, I think like a week or two while we were in that transition, I kept calling her and and telling her, "Okay, sis, make sure all the drivers are on board 
And I think I got on her nerves <laughs> <laughs> because I was trying to check up and making sure everything was going smoothly. So she ended up ghosting me. And so I had to now onboard these guys and do my full-time job at the same time. And so I was, wasn't sure what I was going to do, but I decided to go ahead and take this project on because I had already committed to it. So I did that, I think for maybe, I don't know, maybe three to six months. And, um, in that time frame, I ended up meeting the people next door because they were a trucking company. And I thought, oh, maybe they needed, uh, you know, dispatching companies, uh, freight dispatching. And so I went over there and I talked to him. He said he didn't need any, but he needed help with his freight brokerage. So that's how I got into All American Port Logistics. Wow. So yeah. So how long ago was that? That's almost three years now. Wow. And so have you seen a, a tremendous amount of success since you've started? I say when I first started, it was great. It was very lucrative. Um, now we are in a position where if you do not have secure contracts and I'm saying and I'm thinking like more like government contracts or clients that you've been working with a long time, uh, you're probably in a not good place financially because I. Yeah, because I've seen a lot of owner operators uh, go out of business in the last like year and they've wow. been in business for a very long time. And you've heard of these companies that have like there. Who was it? There was Convoy and another company recently. Uh, yellow, yellow trucking. So those are huge conglomerates. And for them to fall like they did, I think somebody just recently bought Convoy. That should tell you what the what the market is looking like, especially for logistics. Why is it like that? Well, during the time with COVID, there was allegedly an influx of containers that needed to come in and we didn't, I don't know whoever was um, saying that we didn't have any drivers because there was definitely a lot of drivers out there. Um, that created an influx of people to come in and what, but when we were now, since we were doing all the deliveries for all these places, we we're taking these containers to the different warehouses. We already knew that the warehouses were full. So we don't we don't understand why the media outlets were saying that there isn't there isn't any um, imports or exports coming in when there clearly was. So now. A lot of people that don't have you know any work or have bought a new truck within that time frame, they're straight out of luck. Wow. Yeah, because they're buying trucks at the peak of people getting into the market. So a truck that used to be like twenty, thirty thousand dollars was like going for like ninety thousand dollars. Holy cow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So there's not this isn't even being discussed at all, right? Mm -mm. I mean, for the people who do know <laughs> that our trucking companies are in the business, yeah, they're very aware of this. What do you think the incentive is for 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 all of that? For creating that type of atmosphere? Yeah. Honestly, I'm I'm not really sure. I, I, my thought is is like, oh, maybe they're trying to create like 
create a shakeup for like small businesses to maybe go out of business so that there could be more, I, I guess, more for the the bigger companies to take a hold of. Mm. That, that's one of my theories. Of course, this is all theoretical. Right. It's conspiracy if you ask a lot of people. <laughs> I mean, that's the first thing that I thought. I mean, because, yeah, there is a... Um, I think is the American Journal of Transportation. I gotta go look at it, but there was a a table that was that came out about the imports and exports, and this was specifically just for the state of Virginia, and comparing it to Los Angeles and other ports. I think like maybe three years ago, it was about like they were like a negative two hundred, and right now I think they're at, at like a hundred thousand plus containers coming in and ours here is like negative 700. whoa yeah i gotta find that i know i had that up not too long ago here let me see if I, I i'll see if i can pull it up um hold on a second what was let me was, look at my um let me look at my linkedin real quick because i know i did a post for it i'll let you <clears throat> so here yeah that was something that was talked a lot about during covid was that there was containers that weren't being brought on to brought onto shore right yeah. they're, they're yeah. also out in the ocean still yeah so right here it's the american journal of transportation and it talks about the so Norfolk, Virginia, the containers coming into there is 156,000. And this is as of June and July of uh, January through July of 2023. And for Los Angeles, it's 1,585. And then you go into last year, it's 1,006, oh yeah, 167,302. And then that's for 2002 for Long Beach. It's 1300. It says the variation is we're at 285 right now and they're at 10,534. I could send this over to you. Yeah, please do. I'll share it on the screen. Yeah. Send you the link to this. You want me to send you via Gmail? Sure, that works. Okay. I know I wasn't looking in the camera, so my apologies. Oh, you're fine. I don't look at the camera at all. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Only when I do like these kind of uh, uh, podcasts, I try to look at the camera because I, I feel like when I'm looking at the camera, I'm looking at you essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But even then, like now, I'm not even staring at the camera. I'm staring at my computer screen, which is slightly down. But... All right. Um, did you send it over? Yeah, I did. I sent you a link. Okay. And you'll see it on the page. Okay, I got it. Just the comparison from they're in the hundred thousands and we're in the thousands. That should tell you something about what's going on at the ports. Like, that's a big ass number. Okay, let me. I'm gonna share my screen real quick. It should be the third table. All right. Yeah, and this third one down here. Okay. Um, all 
This one right here. Mm hmm. All nice. right. Those numbers there. Oh, man. Okay. So January through July of 2023. Yeah, 156,000. And then. Um, yeah. Okay. So that's, that's what's going in or that's what's coming into uh, Virginia, right? Mm-hmm. And then you guys are in Los Angeles? Yeah, so the Long Beach, Los Angeles ports. 2,600. So what what is the what were the numbers like prior to 2023? Oh, I guess 2022 is right here. Um, okay, so it was roughly around the same. Yeah, but prior to that, I think there was another article too. I have to find it and send it to you. Those numbers were flipped. I think we were at the top and they were at the bottom. But I think it may be in the same uh, book, but I had to go back and look because I didn't know I was going to share this with you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's okay. Um, here, let me, I'm going to get rid of this, take it off the screen. That is crazy. So somehow somebody is purposely trying to hinder the that industry specifically. And it would be, the only logical reason would be to hinder small businesses and the help the takeover for lar larger businesses like Amazon or whatever. Right. I think that may be one of them too. And then also, and also too, if you think about the introduction of technology, which all those things are great. So you have now automated, uh, automated terminals, which, you know, that is getting rid of, of course, labor in addition to uh, automated self-driving vehicles that's getting rid of labor, physical labor. And then you have these automated like warehouses now that's also too getting rid of labor, which I think those things are all good because I feel like at some point we here in the US haven't really garnered like, um, what are those things like science, technology? I, I don't think we've catered to that like we need to. Right. Like, a lot of our work has really been more of, uh, Maybe non-thinking. I don't know if that's the right term. It's like, it's very, I don't know how you would describe it, but this is the way I look at technology and its integration into the workforce is that we can, yes, it takes away jobs. And mm -hmm. I guess it probably also depends on what industry, but I, I feel like it would also allocate resources to other aspects of that business. However, so like, for instance, um, like when you go to the grocery store, you have the self-checkout, self-checkout lanes now. Yeah. But then you also see people who do the shipped thing or they you see these people who because uh, like we do the uh, like we order our groceries online and then just go and pick it up. So yeah. now you have people that are doing that. You have people that are go shopping for you and then bringing it out to you. So now they're yeah. like, oh, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure that the staffing of a, of a, a grocery store probably is, has declined significantly over the years. Um, however, they're, they're allocating those resources in a different aspect. Yeah. And I think those things are all good, but I do also think that we still need to integrate like higher learning into thing into the things that we're doing, like yes. be more science, science focused or more technology focused. And I don't think, I think like a lot of the stuff that 
we've been pushed into is like more service based, which is all good. But I think the capacity of what we can do as people have been um, minimalized. And I think if they pushed us um, into those realms of like, once again, science, technology, math, all those things, I think that we'd be in a better place as a society um, to integrate the different things that we need. You know, if we have this mindset and technology of we don't care about the land that we live on, then we treat it as such. Right. Does that make sense? Yes, I, I completely agree with you. And I can actually kind of relate to the to that thought because one of the biggest concerns in the auto, auto industry right now is AI technology and the EVs. I mean, that was one of the reasons why we were on strike was to secure a future for the auto industry in the whole transition for the EV, EV industry. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that I've talked with like other coworkers on the podcast about is that there needs to be some sort of way because it's going to happen where manufacturing is going to be limited uh, significantly to where you don't need as many people to do the job. Right. They, they need to find a way to find to to use the people that they have and train them, put them through courses, send them to school so that they know how to uh, fix the AI systems. They know how to navigate the AI system so that they have jobs in the future. Oh, for maybe, sure. Maybe not in manufacturing specifically, but in different different aspects of working with technology. Yeah, I heard this one quote about Ford uh, saying something along the lines of, I didn't pay you to think, I just paid you to work or something like that. (laughs) And so that's all good. You know, we do need some people to do that type of work um, to a degree. But if we unleash the parts of ourselves, like you said, going into that deep passion and deep diving into the things that we really love, can you imagine what kind of transition or what kind of um, what kind of impact that would create in the world? Right. You have all these people that are inspired and passionate about the things that they do, that it's like, oh, okay, wait a minute. Hey, maybe we can get together and create something bigger than what we see now. Right. the cyclical uh, poverty mindset that is still here today. Yeah. I mean, it's so hard to get everybody on the same page. <laughs> That's the problem. Like so many people are okay with just mediocrity. Like I see it uh, daily. I mean, I, I work at general motors and we're union. And so unfortunately like unions are a good thing for the labor movement, for um, the working class. Yeah. They create lazy people because exactly, and that was my point. Like complacency, complacency, and it creates mediocrity um, because you don't have to work harder. (laughs) I said to a degree that doesn't apply for everybody that's under union or no, absolutely. But the the whole idea, and I this is what I mean by is like I could be working next to somebody at work, and we're both union, uh, or we're both in the union, but I work harder than that person you know, like they, and, and we make the same amount of money. It's, it's equality. Like it's equal, wor- equal work for equal pay, but it's not necessarily equal work sometimes. Um, and it, it can create for mediocrity and it can create for people to be complacent. It can be, it could be a way for people to just be satisfied with the life that they're living currently and then not want anything to change. And unfortunately for business, or I guess fortunately for them, but unfortunately for us, 
businesses always look for ways to cut to cut back and to save money, make more money. And if they can do so by eliminating jobs and, and uh, add AI and technology, then why wouldn't they? Yeah, no, totally right. I was just thinking like, man, if we, um, I think all those mindsets also come from the places that we grow up in. Yeah. If you're, and then also too, change doesn't come unless you have some type of challenge. So yeah, you have to be challenged. So I don't know. And that's a good question. How would you bring that kind of, I guess, attitude into the workplace? And I would only think that that challenge is garnered when you have an environment like that. Mm. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, the, I mean, I guess like for for that kind of thing, the challenge would be the elimination of a job, right? Yeah, like fear of not being able to uh, su support your family, the fear of not being able to have a future. But if they were to provide something like a an, a way out, a way for you to continue what you're doing, the, the money you're making, a way to provide for your family, but they offer resources for you to get the education you need in order to continue in this industry. Like, Hey, the only way you can move forward is by going to school to learn about this. Then that would be so, so beneficial for a lot of people. You know, that's a really great idea. I was just thinking about, Oh yeah. So like, let's say if they have a tier of some sort, okay, Hey, for this long, you can work as a cashier. But after that, after this period, you have to move to this. And then after this, you have to move to this. It's like, you're there, you already know that you're there temporarily, but you have to move and you <laughs> cannot stay in the same place. Right. And I think that, that kind of, I think that would be something great to assist people in adapting to that. Because I think there's this idea here in the US that, you know, there's job security. There's no such thing as job security. People can, you know, people used to have pensions. That is really non-existent now. Yeah. So when we push ourselves into those kind of spaces, we can now prepare ourselves and in that mindset that the only thing that really is consistent is change. So if we live in that kind of um, in that kind of mindset, I think that would be help people adapt better in the things that they coming back to our conversation about challenge. Right. I'm a better version, wherever it is that they're operating in, whether it's in their personal life or at work. Yeah. All those things are applicable. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing about, uh, I lost my point. <laughs> I was going to say something. I don't remember what it was now. Um, we we're talking about challenge. Yeah. We were talking about the different tiers of, pushing people into change. Yeah, I don't think it's going to come back. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, that's the thing. Like like you had mentioned, you have to challenge yourself and it, you cannot be complacent if you want. We're in like in such a ever changing, like so fast paced life now. Like everything is so fast paced. Like if you look about, look at the way the internet has taken over the world from like, I don't know. I mean, I hired in a GM 11 years, almost 11 years ago. And I remember Facebook was like, just, I mean, it was big, but it wasn't like what it is now. Oh yeah. 
and it's like probably one of the number one platforms in the world and um everybody's on it but like the internet has taken over the world it's so powerful and if you look at the time frame that from when it started to now and where it's at now it's changed yeah. so much so Everything for you online, right what's that i said everything we do is online literally everything yeah like <laughs> we can't disconnect from it no we can't you cannot live without it for i mean for a lot of people it'd be very very difficult for businesses it would be difficult for businesses businesses to operate like i went to a, a mexican restaurant last night mm -hmm. um and their whole operating system uh through the whole united states they use like the clover thing the the pay clover. it's like a clover. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they use that system and apparently through the whole united states that thing was down and i'm just like thinking like wow could you imagine if that was your business and that's how you made money was through people paying pay, people paying through that system and it didn't even work like how do you make your money and how do you can how do you stay open yeah like and we're so reliant on different things like that that power that power everything <laughs> online everything is online it is crazy so we we've spent all those changes <laughs> what's that I said, yeah, we do have to adapt with those changes. Yes, absolutely. Um, we've spent like 36 minutes, 37 minutes now just oh. talking about all of this. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I didn't know how much time we had. <laughs> no, we're good. We're good. Um, I just want to get to like some of the things you wanted to talk about. Um, so you wrote, well, let's... Let's kind of back up. Like, what's your what is your story? I mean, you had mentioned a little bit earlier that we are like, like our our stories, like our past, essentially. Um, what is yours? So, mine's is um, mine's comes from a lot of uh, trauma, poverty, and jeez. Uh, I figured I figured because you had mentioned that you had talked to your sister about generational wealth. Yeah. That comes from a place of somebody who's tired of being in in a cycle. Yeah. And you're just like, I I I I'm tired of thinking about money. I'm tired about worrying about money. How am I going to pay my bills? And now I need to get out. Like, how do I do that? Yeah. yeah. And um, just a lot of that has caused me to like push myself into doing things that have to deal with business and commerce. And so. But in order for me to operate in those areas, I had to go through like a transition, uh, a transition of self, a transition of finding what my meaning is uh, for why I am here. Why, you know, everybody has that question. What is the purpose of us being here? And I finally understood it one day um, after I had experienced a whole bunch of turbulence in my life with my kids and my life with uh, and my love life. And then also too in my life at work. When um, I found out that I couldn't communicate properly, I had this big ass ego and the ego just came from a survivalist mentality that I had to do the things the way that I thought that they needed to be done because that's what that has what has brought me success so far. But not realizing that when I sit and I listen to what's being given to me, that I can really garner 
a lot of information uh, from those that are trying to um, help me see the picture in the way that they see it and then kind of make my own little bigger picture to see the world in, in a more brighter way, if that makes sense. Yeah. So my kids basically told me about myself. My coworkers basically told me about myself and my old boss basically told me about myself. And I, I couldn't see, uh, I couldn't see cause I had my own glasses on. I had my own like, <laughs> everybody else is wrong and not me. And so when I finally humbled myself through these different experiences, I saw the world with new glasses. I was able to um, have better conversations. I was able to be more vulnerable. And once I did share my humanity with them, then we were able to like be more open, be more loving, be more um, softer, softer. Yeah, because I grew up with a very masculine energy. Mm, why is yeah. that? Because uh, uh, when the household that I grew up in, it was everything was like physical fights all the time, physical arguments, um, and it's not from it. It was from my stepdad. He was on he was on crack, and if he didn't get what he wanted, he would like beat us up physically. And then he also did a lot of mental and verbal you know, just a lot of that kind of abuse. And so that carried over into the different conversations that I had with people. And I didn't realize that. I didn't realize that I had adapted his way of thinking, adapted his way of doing things. And so I figured, so when they told me to do like, hey, you have to do this kind of chore, like I couldn't talk back. So I figured when I went out into the world, I had to be, behave as such. I had to be that masculine energy and be this like facade of strongness because that's what was taught to me. I couldn't say, oh, hey, that's hurting me. Or, hey, I don't like that. Or I couldn't express that I was sad with something. I couldn't express um, my grievances towards what I felt that I was being done for the things that were being done wrong to me, I felt. So that's why I said I grew up in a lot of masculine energy because of how, uh, because of that conditioning. It's unfortunate that for a lot of people, including myself, um, you know, they grow up in a certain situation and they emulate the things that they, they witnessed as a child. And it, it's so sad when I see it in like other people, I'm like, man, that's so sad. Um, but like, even for myself, that's how it was like I, I i grew up in um in florida and my uh, my stepdad was extremely abusive to my mom my brother and we eventually got out of that situation and ended up going into foster care and then the home the home that i went into was extremely abusive mentally verbally and, and emotionally uh and physically um mm -hmm. but the mental aspect of it is something that carried carried on with me the mental and emotional. And I started like as a young adult started emulating a lot of the things that were said to me and the things that I seen. I'm like, and eventually I'm just like, man, I hate myself. Like, why am I like this? And then very, I had a, like, like a moment like you where I had to very actively decide that I don't want to be like this. And it, it changed how I, how I felt as a person. Mm. Um, and it changed the way people look at me. It changed the way I respond to people. It changed everything. Mm. 
And, but unfortunately for a lot of people, they don't get that moment. They just, they, it's a cycle. It's a cycle of abuse. It's a cycle of uh, alcohol addiction or drug addiction or sex addiction, whatever it is. I mean, they, they can't get out of it. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was the reason uh, there's two things that I'm feeling right now. I felt your story. <laughs> and um, just the sadness and the grief um, for that, because I can totally connect, of course. And then, um, and that was the reason why I wrote my book is for people that do feel stuck. Like my book isn't long, it's just 20 pages. And so the purpose is like, if you feel stuck, just read a chapter. It might be relevant to you. And the various ways and the things that I use, like you said, the different podcasts that people like personal development, that's the purpose of this is to help you actually find different resources that will help you get out of that mindset that will help you like be a stepping stool. I'm not saying that it is the answer to all. I'm saying there are different answers to get to where you need to be. Just like, you know, if you're trying to go to Starbucks down the street, there's more than one way to get there. Yeah. You just need to find something that resonates with you in order for you to get to that, to that end point to take you to the next destination. Right. Yeah. I was just right before I had you, uh, right before we started doing this podcast, I was just on another podcast with a, a gentleman um, here locally. And that went like two hours. It was like two hours long and uh, it was brutal. I didn't, I didn't know we were going to go that long. And I'm like, oh boy. Was it good though? It was good. He was a very eccentric person. It was a, it was a good episode. But good. one of the things that was brought up is that you're not a binary line, right? Like people put you in this box and they think that you should do things a certain way or they think you should react a certain way. But like you said, you could go to Starbucks this way or that way. Eventually you can find a road that leads to Rome. Yeah. And life is like that too. I mean, there's no right or wrong way of doing anything. And that's something like for me that I've learned as an adult, because I grew up thinking that there was certain ways that you had to do everything. And if you didn't do that, then you were wrong. Like you, you're, you're going to fail. You're a failure. But me doing this podcast is a true testament of that. I mean, there's so many different ways you could do a podcast and there's so many different ways you could interview, but this is how I do it. <laughs> And, and it works. And I think you brought up a key thing too. Like people think that there's like, they're so rigid on the way that they want to get to a space. There's no right or way, like you said. And the way that you deliver your podcast is the way that you deliver your podcast. Nobody can deliver the podcast the way that David Hess can deliver his podcast because he comes with his own energy. He comes with his own chi, his own aura, and th that can't be duplicated. You can try to do that, but only you and your own energy can bring out the things that you're supposed to because that's your destiny. Right. That's what I found out about myself is that the uniqueness in all of us and the reason why we're here is because we can only emulate the things or do the things that we can do based out of our own energy because it won't ever, ever be duplicated. Yeah. And I mean, nobody can take your experiences away from you. Nobody can change. So like, this is the thing, like everybody, like everybody sees like somebody who's extremely successful and they're like, I want to be like that person. Like they might see, like for me, 
uh, for like a podcaster. Like Joe Rogan is like my favorite podcaster of all time. But I think everybody's like a Joe Rogan fan. <laughs> I know everybody loves. Him. So like nobody can be a Joe Rogan. Like he's Joe Rogan. Nobody can be a David Hess. Like you said, nobody can be you because you are your experiences. You bring to the table your experiences, the things that you have gone through and people see you because of those things. Yeah. You can never be like anybody else. And yeah. so, I mean, like even if somebody were to read your book, I mean, nobody could write that, but you. I used to think that, um, I used to think that there was a certain thing that we had to follow but, you know, we were talking earlier about passion. When I totally devoted myself into doing that one thing, I just became all consuming with it. And then when I did, it was just like, bam, here it is. Here's the end result. And I didn't have like an idea of what that end thing would look like. I just knew I just needed to get it out of my system. And mm -hmm. so when I did and I did get it, finally get it out into the world, I got so much feedback for how that connected with other people. And the idea for me, and I thought at one time was, oh, maybe we need to, uh, maybe I need to share this with people on the millions, millions of people kind of scale. And I realized that I need to share this with myself and my own group of people, which would be my kids. And once I had that influence there, I knew that they would share it with those in their circles and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I don't need to make a change for the world. I just need to make an impact for the person that's in front of me, for the person that I'm talking to when I'm at the store, for the person that I'm talking to when I'm at school, wherever I'm at, that's my impact. What they do, that's the universe's job. <laughs> right. All mine is to do is to change myself and have that impact within my own circle to have its own resonating impact. Absolutely. That's such a good point because um, I feel like you and I have almost like similar, similar stories. <laughs> <laughs> um, because when I first did, when I did my first ever episode, and I went back the other day and I listened to it and it was like heart, like not heart wrenching. It was like, it like, it just hurt to listen to. I'm like, this is terrible. <laughs> but, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I am so much better now. But um, <laughs> when I when I listened to it, or when I did it, I rather, um, it was such a therapeutic, it was such a therapeutic thing for me to do, because I had longed for so long to like share my story and help other people share with my story. I just didn't know how to do it. I wanted to write a book. I'm like, I don't know how to do this. Like, I, I'm not a, I'm not a, a writer. Um, it's going to take me forever to do it to sit down and write which I could do. It's just all, they're all excuses. I just didn't do it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but at least you did write a book. <laughs> but I mean, it's, it, it is all easy. And like you said, it's really more of, it's the excuses that we give ourselves for the things that we really don't want to do. But Absolutely. those are the things that the world needs. I mean, your podcast is out. I want to do one, but I just haven't taken the time to do it. Yeah. You definitely should do it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's going to be, that'll be my challenge. That's on, actually on one of my list of things to do. <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be please, cool. 
please finish sharing what you were saying earlier about you know you wanting oh. to write and you said oh. you didn't you're a writer um yeah so you know i wanted to share my story in so many different ways uh, i just didn't know how to do it but when i sat down and i just i i mean it's literally me sitting on my couch with a microphone these same microphones right that i have right here and i'm just talking about my story it's just me and i got done i i you know put it out on youtube and everywhere else and i just let whatever happened from that point on happen people listened to it people didn't i just kept on moving and the feedback that i got from that was amazing i still get feedback from people from time to time like hey man your story like i cannot believe you went through that like that's amazing like and it's just like it's like to know my my story which I, I mean, I feel like it was a pretty traumatic story, but to me, it's just me. Like, it's not an important story. I'm just some other person. I'm, not, I'm nobody special. Um, but to know that my story helped me is, or not helped me, helped other people is extremely uh, therapeutic to know that I'm, I'm, in a sense, making a difference. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't think we give ourselves enough credit because a lot of people that have been through the things that you and I have experienced, they didn't come out. They were on drugs. Yeah. It's something. Yeah. But, I mean, I'm yeah. Sorry. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, I was just saying, but look at us. I mean, I'm not successful, successful, but I think I'm doing good. I mean, you work, you have a business. You, you, run, <laughs> you run your own business, and I'm assuming you do it full time, correct? Yeah, I do. So that's, that's an achievement. I mean, it's so hard for a lot of people to get a business up off the ground, and you did it. Yeah. And you're I mean, continuously doing it. Like you said, it's 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 the journeys that we decide to take, right? And it's not really up to us. It is up to us for us to do the work, but you know, it's the universe that okay, so she's ready or he's ready for the next step. Let's go. I don't know what this is going to look like in a couple of years, but we decided to put our feet to the ground and release those things inside of us. You release the podcast I released my book and look at what else is, you know, unfolded itself through us just doing that. Right. Now, what is your book about? I mean, it, it's only 20 pages. What, mm-hmm. what made you want to write the book? Let's start with that. What made you want to write the book? So earlier I mentioned I wanted to write the book because I felt that my story needed to be out like you. And that people that find themselves like that come out of traumatic backgrounds like ourselves, they need some help. And sometimes they don't know how to get to the next phase. And we already talked about this like maybe 15, 20 minutes ago. And so I felt like the different applications of the resources that I, I did, for example, I did therapy, I did emotional therapy, I did life coaching, I did, what else did I do? A lot of self-development books, a lot of work, workbooks, group coaching. I didn't do those things per se. I participated in them. So that way I can become a better version of who I didn't want to be anymore. And so that's the reason why I wrote this. So I can, I can share with them the different challenges that I met inside of my family, share with them the different challenges that I met inside of my love relationship share the different challenges that I met inside of my work life and be open with them about what I experienced. 
what I felt at that time, and then what I did to apply uh, to get the answer to get myself out of there. And it just be like an inspiration. Okay, well, if she can do that. I can do that too. Like one of the ladies that was on a different podcast, she said she read my book and she was like, oh my God, at work, I was about to tear this other lady apart. But then I remembered what you said in your book that you humbled yourself so that way you can connect to this person. And then it made me rise above this, you know, versus looking at it in the eyes of like animosity. I looked at it through different uh, different eyes and now we're in a better space and we've moved on. And that's my, that is my mission here is so that people can find themselves in a better thinking mindset so they can move on to something bigger, bigger and better. Mm. Yeah. I mean, that's the, that's the goal for so many people. And like, I, I find myself looking for inspiration like that too, often. Just go back and look at your podcast again. And you know, <laughs> seriously, cause like those things are encouraging. Like they remind you of why you did it in the first place. Yeah, no, I definitely, I don't know. Like I, I don't look, I don't ever get in a position where I'm like, I, I don't know why I'm doing what I'm doing. I, okay. I, I, every time I talk to somebody new, like, like this podcast, I, I, I remember like, oh, okay, this is why I'm doing it because you're sitting here telling your story for the same reasons why I sat down and told my story hmm. and everybody who's come on the podcast has done the same thing. It's, it's awesome. And I'm glad <laughs> that that's what I was feeling. I was like, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> What is the feedback like when somebody uh, reaches out to you and they're like, your story really helped me? What is what does that feel like? It feels like I accomplished a mission that I set out to do. It feels very rewarding. Like one of my daughter's friends, she even wrote me this long letter and she said something along the lines of, oh, now I can look at my mom with different eyes because of what you wrote in your story. So there is change for her because I didn't really see her in that light. So thank you for doing that. And just really looking forward to more that you're gonna release. So that just, there's so much uh, happiness that builds up inside of me. I can't really express how I feel about it, except it just feels really jubilant. It feels very rewarding. It's self-affirming. And that's that's what I feel. It's self-affirming that what I did was the right thing. And or I don't know, I wouldn't say right thing, but what I did is what I was supposed to do. And however the universe makes that impact, it's working. <laughs> that's awesome. That, yeah. that, I mean, and that's the beautiful success story, right? Like you had said, I'm not I'm not extremely successful, but that's success where you share your story and other people's other people look to you for um uh not support uh for uh inspiration inspiration yeah 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 uh where can people find your book at where where can you purchase it on etsy they can find me on etsy um because i have a clothing line on etsy called class a chicks and there's a link on there um so my book should be on one of the items there it's called can you hear me very cool. Yeah. yeah, I like that. 
<laughs> so I'll I'll uh, put the link to that that book specifically in the um, show notes and um, yeah, so people can just go there and buy it. All right, cool. Well, thank you for having me, David. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, stay on after we end this. Don't. Okay. All right. Um, well, thanks for doing the podcast. This was fun, and uh, I'll definitely do it again if we can ever like line up a time. <laughs> do it. I'm open to it. All right, cool. Well, thank you. You're welcome.